from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast The 15th of August marks a year since the Taliban took over Kabul and wrested control of Afghanistan from the US. Since then, many journalists in Afghanistan who couldn't escape have gone underground or have been targeted by the Taliban. But as our guest on today's episode explains to my colleague Jairaj Singh, it's never been easy in Afghanistan. When I left Kabul on the 14th uh, uh, for work, I went to Uzbekistan. We wanted to set up uh, a mini bureau there, or, or a large bureau actually. We wanted to take hundreds of people um, with their families to Uzbekistan. And the cobble fell on the 15th of August. So I was basically stuck there. I wish I was in Kabul. I wish I was late for that trip by a day. And uh, so I was stuck there and things changed. And I haven't returned to Afghanistan uh, since then. But I'm sure I will. I didn't know on the morning of 14th of August when I boarded that plane to Tashkent that Kabul and Kabul airport will be in the hands of the Taliban in 24 hours. The news coming out of Afghanistan since the Taliban took over has been dark and grim as it stares at a humanitarian crisis and civil liberties face a clampdown. To get a sense of where things are at today, I spoke with Lotfullah Najafizada, who you just heard. Lotfullah was the head of Tolo News, Afghanistan's largest news network. I spoke with him at Talk Journalism, a media event in Jaipur recently. In this episode, he talks about what it was like growing up during the civil war post the fall of the Soviet invasion, reporting stories with the Taliban constantly targeting journalists and wanting to return home to Kabul one day. It's going to be almost one year since the Taliban took hold of the country. We know that the country stares at a massive humanitarian crisis. Could you give us a sense of the sense that you're getting, where is the country at and what are the, the next few years going to be like for the country? Um, well, if I, don't, if I don't see a future for Afghanistan, then there is no point for, for me waking up at 5 a.m. and talking to you about Afghanistan. So I feel quite passionate about Afghanistan. And I feel quite um, enthusiastic uh, that we as Afghans should should do everything we can to um, to make a difference. The situation on the ground is very tragic, and uh, for that reason, we have to work harder um, um, to 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 make to make a difference. Um, right now, it's uh, some sort of. Uh, of a stalemate, a political stalemate um, uh, in the country. Uh, and uh, the Taliban, I think, are having a hard time um, uh, coming up with a vision of how they want to rule the country or, or, or run the country. I think they are still struggling to adjust from 
an insurgency uh, to a government. So, um, I, well, well, I must say very bluntly that the status quo can't last long. Right. So there must be a political process uh, that all Afghans come together and uh, begin a political process to accommodate all Afghans uh, into whatever future we, uh, we agree upon. When you were born in um, post-Soviet uh, invasion, when the country was in civil war and, and, and you were always on the move, can you talk a little bit about the time when you were growing up? What was that like? Well, I was born during the Soviet uh, or pro-Soviet um, uh, communist regime in, in Afghanistan. Uh, I must say, in the last years of it. And um, when I was growing up, it was basically civil war in Afghanistan, the early 90s in particular, that I remember um, that we had to leave Kabul and then uh, be on the run for, for a number of years, um, going from Kabul to south, south to north, um, so it was um, that, that. That's what I remember. Uh, that we had to we had to travel from one place to another because civil war was so widespread across the country. But thankfully, things changed um, after 9/11, and 9/11 itself was was a tragic incident. Um, but the consequences for Afghanistan was that the country was we felt at the time that was liberated. Um, from darkness and uh, things changed and that was when I think you know, our lives changed as well and these were extremely hard conditions where I read somewhere that you would while going to school would see um, you saw dead bodies at one time what effect did this have on you being born in a civil war kind of situation I think Afghanistan has been uh, going through a lot in the past 40 plus years um, and uh, centered around conflict and, and war. And uh, anyone living in Afghanistan was somehow involved or part of it. Um, so the incident that you're referring to was in Mazar Sharif uh, when I was, I think, a third or fourth uh, grade school when the Taliban attacked Mazar in 96 and a subsequent year uh, uh, where they uh, suffered a lot of casualties and then we were going to school next day seeing hundreds of dead bodies on the way to school. So, so uh, unfortunately that, that never stopped in our lives. I read somewhere that Shortly after you sort of took charge, um, there were many, many moments where you would have to, um, you know, sort of sleep within the compound of the of the news up network. Not just you, but your family. I want to know what toll it had on on you and you know family life, and how did they come to terms with this kind of an arrangement? Well, after 2015, when the Taliban yes. designated us as a military target things really changed for worse for us. 
uh, we had to put a lot of security uh, uh, measures, uh, limit our movement, use um, um, armored vehicles, travel with armed guards. Not so pleasant for journalists, especially at that at that relatively young age, and that somehow affected. Um, not just our family life, but also our professional life as well. There were days that you could not go home. And uh, I must say, I missed a lot of good moments uh, um, uh, with, with my family. I was telling my, my wife the other day that I haven't spent this much of time with my parents for many, many years that I have spent, you know, that I'm spending now. So I'm, I'm quite happy when it comes to that. I must say, so, so after the Taliban's uh, threat, yes. they, 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 they labeled two TV channels in Afghanistan, their family members included, all their employees and their family members included as military targets. Basically, they could kill anyone, and they did. Within 100 days after yes. they issued that statement, they killed seven of my colleagues in a car bomb. So this is 2015, which is a pretty traumatic year because you and, an, uh, and another news channel break this massive news that shakes Afghanistan about Taliban fighters entering a girls' school hostel and going on a rampage. And can you tell us a little bit about that story that you guys did and then the kind of threats that you were suddenly facing with? When Kunduz fell uh, for the first time, into the Taliban hands, there were reports uh, about uh, uh, um, misbehavior and abuse of human rights, um, and uh, Amnesty International Human Rights Watch and others also basically confirmed um, uh, reports that the Taliban uh, abused women um, or, or, or people affiliated to the Taliban. Um, and given Afghanistan's culture, um, it was it was quite difficult to get some of these women to speak on camera. Our journalists on the ground were pretty confident that this had happened. Of course, the Taliban didn't like it. They 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 killed people afterwards. We were also, as you said, dealing with so many other factors uh, and actors and players in Afghanistan were not necessarily media-friendly, so was the government, I must say. Um, we didn't have a very media-friendly government, so we were dealing with a lot of bad folks. So um, Afghanistan was the free, had the freest media in the region for a very long time, but it was not an easy country to be a journalist. We were also one of the deadliest countries uh, for journalists. We have lost over a hundred journalists in Afghanistan in the past 20 years. And that's, I think, a very, very bold number. 2016 is a particularly hard year for, for Tolo when one, if I read right, that you were reporting a news about an attack on a vehicle and you realized after reporting it that it was it were your own journalists that had been slain. What was that period like for you? I think definitely one of the darkest moments um, um, and in my life. And that evening, 
I can't, I can't really forget. Um, uh, it was, uh, it was um, a winter evening. Um, it was uh, relatively cold. A lot of my colleagues were killed. You know, are still. Well, I can't forget their faces. And over the years, to be honest with you, I got to I got to know them more from their family, their parents, and talking to their friends. That we have lost such amazing souls. How does a news organization work in this kind of loss and and you know this kind of, sort of pain? What do you do to keep going on? You know, it was a very critical moment for us to really decide whether we should go forward and move on um, or we should just shut down and uh, and uh, try to do something else. I think it was the overwhelming majority of hundreds of people who used to work for Moby Group to decide that they, had, they, they wanted to continue. I think that was the right decision. Um, uh, and um, at the end of the day, we were dealing with similar sad incidents um, and casualties and killings and bombings and, uh, and all of that on daily basis. I don't think I remember a day in my 15 plus years of um, uh, journalism experience, particularly the decade plus of experience uh, at Polo News, that didn't have uh, security incidents being 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 involved, or people were not killed. A hundred people, on average, were dying in Afghanistan a day in the recent years. Let's uh, cut to 2021. When do you get a sense that things? Are, are changing? When do you realize that the, um, that the, the Taliban takeover is, going to, is imminent? The return of the Taliban to power was, was um, understandable was, or was expected after the U.S. started talking to the Taliban in 2018, 2019. Right. 2021 was when people lost faith in the peace process, and the Taliban made military uh, advances on the ground, and ultimately they took over the country militarily. Uh, and that's why we have some of the issues right now, because they don't think that they, uh, their power um, uh, was a result of a diplomatic or a political engagement or a political settlement. So covering the peace process I think uh, in the early in the early months and years, 2018, 2019, part of 2020 was something that that we thought might change Afghanistan for good. But then, it, uh, thanks to so many bad players in the room, I think it didn't go anywhere. And for us, we had that literally became probably half or more of our coverage, of our daily coverage. As the head of the news network, fielding a whole lot of sort of concerns from your team on the ground, and, and it must have been harrowing to sort of 
to guide them and, and, and to also make sense of what was happening? Yes, we had, uh, we had journalists and colleagues throughout the country as well as in Kabul. And uh, some of them stayed in the country and many left. Um, so, so they are now all over the world. Um, and we are actually trying to put them back to work, including myself. So we're working on setting up um, a new initiative uh, or a media platform. And because there are so many good Afghan journalists who are still in the country, so how to connect? How to connect so, to? Do you, do you see yourself going back? How, how would you uh, work with this newsroom, this dynamic newsroom where you have journalists from within and outside? I think it's difficult, it's difficult to be um, fully based in the country because uh, we know what Afghan journalists have been going through. The UN just issued a statement, um, a report actually last week, saying that uh, nearly 200 Afghan journalists have been harassed, tortured, beaten, arrested by the Taliban in the past year or less than a year. Um, and this is unprecedented. Um, so hopefully that stops. Um, uh, we tell them to stop it and we urge them to stop it and we talk to them about it. I think uh, because so many Afghan journalists are overseas and they want to keep involved and stay engaged uh, in Afghanistan or on Afghanistan, we have to come up with initiatives that embrace them or include them. So they can work with journalists who are uh, in the field, who are inside the country, and some of them are, are, are young, probably as young as I was when I started uh, my, my, my journey. So they need mentorship, they need help, they need um, to learn from now this experience of two decades of, of, of journalism that we have. Um, um, and uh, we didn't have it uh, 15 years ago when we started. We're lucky that um, uh, we have this experience now that can be shared with journalists on the ground. I think that is what, what our initiative is about. I think for the journalists that I'm working with right now, I think it's important to make sure they stay safe, first of all, um, and, and, and they're paid because the, uh, the, the, the media market financially is shrinking. Um, and uh, when it comes to legal protection, I think the question is how to basically make sure they are not arrested and beaten and tortured by the Taliban. Uh, I don't think you can just sue the Taliban and then take them to the International Criminals Court. You just have to learn how to, how to operate and stay safe. But there are initiatives. I think Afghan journalists uh, are, are, many of them who have left the country are finally coming back together with initiatives to, uh, to build uh, on, on what they had achieved for so long. Um, and part of that hopefully should or will uh, or include engaging with the Taliban when it comes to protection and safety of journalists. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe, and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, 
and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.